This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash iFreaks. This episode is sponsored by Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain is a coding school with the best world-class learning experience you can find. Dev Mountain is a 12-week full-time development course. With only 25 spots available, each cohort fills quickly. As a student, you will be assigned an individual mentor to help answer questions when you get stuck and make sure you are getting the most out of the class. Tuition includes 24-hour access to campus and free housing for our out-of-state applicants. In only 12 weeks, you'll have your own app in the App Store. Learn to code. It's time. Go to devmountain.com slash ifreaks. Listeners of iFreaks will get a special $250 off when they use the coupon code iFreaks at checkout. This episode of iFreaks is brought to you in part by Postcards. Postcards is the simplest way to allow user feedback from right inside your application. With just a simple gesture, anyone testing your app can send you a postcard containing a screenshot of the app and some notes. It's a great way to handle bug reports and feature requests from your client. It takes five minutes to set up and the first five postcards each month are free. Get started today by visiting www.postcard.es. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 101 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel we have James Uber. That's all of the panel today. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I mean seriously, where are those guys? Slackers. I think they got news of dubdub. Oh, there we go. Uh, they're, they're buying their tickets and we're actually working. I think Apple announced it's happening this second. Anyone can get to San Francisco. They have to go. First come, first served. Go, go, go! Yeah, well, it's spring break here, so, uh, or at least in where I live. I don't know if it's spring break up in Salt Lake where Andrew lives, so. Maybe they're out doing stuff with family, kids. They're all in Florida. Yeah. Boy, that'd be some nice work-life balance, right? On the beach. There we go. Yeah, we thought we'd talk today about work-life balance. We've talked about freelancing twice, and people seem to like that, getting some good feedback. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I think people struggle with. And what do you think when you think work-life balance, James? So as a developer, I just turn caffeine into code and don't really sleep. Is that, that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So how do we balance that? I think it's a cup of coffee on one side and a cup of Coca-Cola on the other side. Perfect. Okay. So you have your balance. Yeah. yeah evens out, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because I talk to people and they talk about work-life balance like there's some magic formula, right? There's the, the home life and, you know, if I spend just the right amount of time there and just the right amount of time at work and just the right amount of time on my hobbies and I squeeze in a little bit of open source work, then I've got a good work-life balance, you know, and church and whatever other social commitments I have kind of happen on the side. And I just, I don't buy into that, that way of thinking. And I, I would feel horrible about myself if I did, because I never really see it work out that way. Even when I was a full-time employee, I mean, there was always this give and take and ebb and flow with it. And sometimes we'd be super busy at work and sometimes things would be kind of slow and reasonable. And so I'd get a lot of time at home with my family 
And I think that gets a little more pronounced now that I'm doing freelance and building products and stuff. But I don't know. Do you think that there is that perfect balance, you know, that happens on the perfect weeks out of the year that you spend the right amount of time with with family and friends and, you know, the right amount doing work? Or do you think it's more of an art than a science? Definitely. I mean, for each person, it's going to be different. If you want work-life balance, you want to work X amount of hours a week and that's it, you know, there's jobs you can have that'll let you do that. Are you going to be interested in those jobs? Maybe, maybe not. So, you, I mean, it's not so much a science, it's calculus, maybe art. <laughs> but, you know, what, what do you value? You know, most of us value interesting work, works that drive them, which occasionally, you know, takes a little extra hours, but not always. And there's ways you can manage that, but, you know, you do have to take care of your people, you know, your family, kids. I don't have kids, but, you know, I, I need to spend time with my family and make sure I'm taking care of that too. Yep. Yeah, it's the same for me. I mean, and sometimes work has to be more important. And sometimes we, we go on vacation as a family. And so, you know, that's what the majority of my time is. And it just depends. It depends a lot on circumstances. It depends. Yeah, I think it mostly it comes down to your priorities. And I think you hit that right on the the head. Yeah, I've gotten to a point where, you know, I don't have to work crazy hours. You know, I work, I'm, I'm building 30 hours and that's a full time for me. You know, uh-huh. maybe 35, I'll schedule that. And that allows me to do, you know, the more businessy things I have to do, but also allows me to, you know, take time off and do other things, including doing nothing, which is what people forget is a very valuable part of work life balance. Just do something that's not productive that you just enjoy or just sit. Yeah, I'm good at nothing, or at least that's what I was told. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, totally agree. And sometimes it's, it's a matter of, you know, I'll talk to my brother and it'll be, hey, let's go, you know, we, we do all kinds of stuff, but, you know, let's go golfing or let's go, let's go shooting or something. And, you know, so we'll, we'll make lots of holes in paper, you know, that we put at the other end of the, the shooting range or we'll, you know, we'll go hit around a golf and, you know, that, that's a lot of times just as important as getting the work done because it, you know, it's kind of low key, not a lot of stress or mental tension. And we just get out there and do our thing. Definitely. It's like, you know, why do you work? Yep. Part of why we work is just to be challenged and do interesting things and fun things and, and learn and create things. But a lot of it is to, well, be able to enjoy the rest of your life. Yep. So it's, it's easy to get into the trap where you work. And that's what you do. And maybe you're in a company that benefits from that. And everyone, everyone in the company just kind of works and they build the company, which I've been in those companies. I've been in startups where I worked a ton of hours and I learned a lot from it. But, you know, that's 10 years ago. I'm a little bit older now and like, okay, I've learned those lessons and really not willing to do that anymore. But you know, I don't regret doing it at the time. Yeah. And I don't want to give the impression that, you know, I spend a lot of time goofing off because I work a lot. I probably work 60 or so hour weeks because I'm doing the podcasts and then I'm maintaining a couple of, of clients that I'm doing work for. And then I'm trying to get a few products off the ground so that I can eventually move away from the contract development stuff. And I can, you know, I can give more back to the audiences that I feel like uh, contribute to me in so many ways. So that that's kind of where I'm at. But, you know, I feel like this is a season where I do that and then once I get these products to the point where they are making enough money to where I can stop consulting, you know, then I have a different balance. So then I can, you know, balance it the other way for a while and spend the time with my family, hopefully this summer. 
you know, cause I've got, I've got little kids. I have a, a nine year old, an eight year old, a six year old and a four year old, you know, and so I want to go and get time with them and things like that. And so that's kind of part of the, the focus is that, okay, they're in school. Most of the day they're at, you know, somewhere else. And so that's a good time for me to maximize this time now. And then when they are free all day for, you know, weeks on end, then we can go do fun stuff. So if you're working 60 or so hours a week, how do you carve time out for the family? So in the evening, I try and spend at least a few hours with my wife. And sometimes in the afternoon, I will trade off the evening time with my wife. You know, I make sure that I do that at least a few nights a week. But I'll trade off some of the evening time to get time, you know, after school with the kids. And so I'll help them with homework or I'll play with them or, you know, my my nine-year-old's really into Legos, so we'll do Legos together or things like that. So it's really rather deliberate. You know, I, I have to kind of plan, okay, where am I at? What am I going to be doing this week? What do I have to get done? And then I just uh, go ahead and do it. And as long as I, I'm getting everything done, then I don't feel bad taking the time off to go and spend the time with my family. But the flip side is, is that because the podcasts are kind of a cost center for me, they don't make me a lot of money. Most of the time they break even, so it's not horrible. But it does still take my time. I don't get compensated for that. You know, so, you know, I, I do have to work a little bit longer to just make sure that, you know, we're paying the bills and have food on the table. And I feel like that's kind of a baseline of, of what I have to get done. You know, so I have to work enough at least to pay the bills and buy food and all that stuff, pay the insurance. So that's why I wind up working the longer hours. And if that's where you're at, then that's what you have to do. You know, I mean, I have to feed my kids. But, you know, I, I try not to go too far beyond that just because, you know, I want that time. And I think it's important. So the challenge people have is they take on too much work and that they can't get away from it. They don't get done what they think they're going to get done. Mm-hmm. Do you run into the same problems? Um, I used to, I do sometimes now. I mean, I'm human. I I don't always get it right, but the way that I tend to work it now, there's actually a video out there by John Sanmez. We had him on the show a month or so ago and he talks about how he plans his week and I kind of do the same thing. So there's a tool out there called Kanban flow, which is just a Kanban board. If you're familiar with that flavor of agile development And so what I wind up doing is I put all the stuff that I have to do into my schedule. And so I have columns for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So today's Wednesday. So it's got iFreaks, Adventures in Angular. I had a pairing session that I finished today that I've got to move over to the done column. But, you know, so I've got a few other things that I need to get done. And so I'll put stuff in there. I usually overload the today, whatever today is. And then by Thursday or Friday, I kind of underload those. And I put the stuff that I can put off at the very bottom. So, um, so today I have to set up a page uh, or I have to do some work for the charter school school board that I'm uh, a member of, which is the school that my kids go to. And so I've got to do a little bit of work there. It's all volunteer work. And then I've got to meet up tonight. And so I know that I've, I'm going to that. And then tomorrow, uh, I've got to get full text search done and some analytics added to the application for my client. I've got a website. I've got to move off of a server. Because I've been moving, I had like three websites left over on Linode, and I've been moving everything over to DigitalOcean. So I've got one site to move over there. I've got a little search page that I've been putting together that I need to finish up, uh, just kind of to, you know, provide resources to people who are interested in Rails. And then I've got a few videos to record. So that's my plan for tomorrow. 
And then, you know, Friday, uh, Friday is going to be a little bit weird because I'm not sure yet if, and, and this is the nice thing about some of this is that I'm not sure yet if I have to drive back down to my in-laws or not. And they live an hour and a half away to pick up a car. So I have a reliable car to drive down to Las Vegas next week for microconf. So if not, then, you know, so I put stuff on Friday that, that I can push off to next week. And uh, that's kind of the way I work it. And so the important stuff kind of gets pushed to the front and the rest of the stuff, you know, it it just kind of sits further down the list. And so I kind of treat it like a regular backlog for agile development. And I just handle the stuff that's important or urgent. And if it's urgent, then I just make sure that I mark it so so that it's like, look, I got to get this done this week or I've got to get it done today. And that way I can just, you know, as long as I get those things done and I'm getting enough of the other stuff done that's, if you've read uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People, it's the Quadrant 2 stuff, the stuff that's important but not urgent. And if I'm getting enough of that stuff done, then it's not critical. I don't ever get to the point where I'm like completely overwhelmed by the stuff that I have to get done right away. And sometimes that stuff piles up, but for the most part now it really doesn't. And the reason is is because I'm diligent about making sure that I get the important stuff done. That makes sense. I think you hit on one thing that you know it's very important to have your priorities in line when you hit the ground running for that day. Yep. You know, if you have to make enough money to put food on the table, you know, make sure that happens. You can't keep putting that off. If you have bad, unhappy clients, that's no good. Yeah. But also leave yourself time for other things because it, you know, if you're scheduled to go to a meetup and you get busy with something else, okay, you could miss a meetup um, occasionally. But over, overall, you know, you want to be hitting them up, getting out there, talking to people, seeing what's going on. But it, it is important to just go into your day with a plan. This is stuff that has to get done. And, you know, if it's, if it's a short task, do it first when yep. you get up. Or, you know, if something that you can fit in between different things, do it then. But have that mental model because there's certain things that will take up your day without you thinking about it. You know, you get stuck in a problem. There's some bug you can't find, figure out. Framework doesn't work right. That can up your time. And if you're sacrificing that, you know, the really important things to solve that problem, that's where you get into trouble. And that's where you get behind. And that's where you may have solved the problem, but you put the rest of the things you need to do on the backlog, which doesn't work. Yeah, the way John does his is that he does the same kind of thing, and I try and plan things out on Friday for the next week. So, uh, you know, I'll be moving stuff out of my backlog into my schedule for the next week. But the thing that he does is he he stacks all that stuff up, and then his goal is to work eight Pomodoros every day. So that comes out to about four hours of, of work, uh, work work that he does. And then, you know, if he has time for other things, then he'll do it. And if not, then he won't, you know, so sometimes he'll put things on the backlog and he won't get everything done that he's scheduled for the week, but he knows that he was consistent in doing the work and that those Pomodoros were highly focused, well-targeted sections of time. And so he knows that he did enough. Definitely. I think the trap people get into is they, think they'll just throw hours at a problem. Right. Oh, I've got five hours to work on this thing. And if you're not focused, you're on Twitter or you're doing something else, then yep. you're not actually getting anything done. And if you're not getting anything done, you might as well be on the couch, hang out with your, your spouse, hang out with your dog, your pet, whatever you want to do. You know, if you're not being productive, might as well use that time and do nothing, which is much more valuable than sitting at your computer trying to get stuff done and not getting it done. I think the Pomodoro technique is great for that, especially for times when I had the full-time clients when I was doing 40 hours a week and I tried to do something on the side and I get some time after dinner to maybe do some work. And if I couldn't get through a Pomodoro, I would just stop. 
because I wasn't yeah. doing any of these problems. I'm probably just writing bugs, not writing code. And, you know, this, I could be resting, which definitely helps. It helps if you're taking time off, taking a little downtime, you can hit those Pomodoros and be focused and get a lot more done. Part of what I've had to do as a consultant is step back saying, you know, I don't want to be trying to bill 40 hours a week, then doing all my business development, trying to get new leads, try to do estimates and all those things that to do running a business. I'm like, you know, that, that makes no sense. So I'm going to, going to bump the rate up and I'm going to take the hours down. And when people balk at the rate, I tell them, well, a lot of developers are going to try to be working 40 hours and I'm going to get the same work done in 20 hours and in 30 hours because I work pretty efficiently. But when I'm working, I'm focused. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the Pomodoro timer going as much as I can. And you look over a week, not that much more than someone who's maybe working 40 hours at a lower, a lower rate. And I can say, well, you know, I'm focused on your problem and I'm not blowing up my Twitter timeline because I'm, I'm fried. But so it's something that I've learned to be able to coach, you know, my clients that, you know, this is how I work. You know, my rate's higher than other developers, but, you know, I'm focused on your problems when I'm working and I don't overbook. And a lot of, it comes down to being able to say no or saying, Okay, this timeline's not going to happen. I can't start in your problem for another month. Yeah, so that was another thing I had to I had to figure out. Yeah, definitely. So, how do you manage getting time with your family or social groups or other obligations? Yeah. So, as I mentioned before, you know, full time. If I'm working thirty hours a week, I consider that full time. If I'm billing that much, and that's a lot. It is a lot really, to be focused and really doing it. That's how it goes. And in the rest of the hours of the day, I'll do some business development, talk with potential clients, maybe hold a meeting or something. But that leaves me parts of the day so I can go for a run, go for a bike ride, you know, spend time with my wife, go for a walk, something like that. So, you know, just shortening the hours gives you more hours in the day to do the rest of your things that you want to do. You know, Monday was opening day in baseball. I took time off, I clocked out, and I watched the baseball game, watched the Twins. So taking down your hours allows you to do that, which works for me. I have to say that watching baseball for me is a quick way to get into a nap. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, of course that always then if I say something like that in front of my dad then then he starts bashing soccer and then we get into all kinds of antics, so <laughs> Oh yes, the generational divide. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, but yeah, I I totally get it, you know, and and some people would be all upset, you know, well, you wasted your time watching baseball. But again, I mean, it's that recreation that I think we all need to recharge. And I love the idea of, you know, getting out and running or biking or whatever. I tend to do that in the morning. So, I mean, last night I didn't get in till like midnight because I was helping my mom move a bunch of furniture, but... If I'm not getting to bed at uh, 1 o'clock and going to sleep at 2 o'clock, you know, I'll get up early and I'll go for a run. Or I'll get up early and I'll write blog posts or, you know, prep for podcasts or things like that. But that physical activity is so... I mean, that's probably the best way for me to recharge. Sometimes I pop in an audio book, sometimes I listen to podcasts, and sometimes I just turn it all off and I just go for a run. And, uh, you know, just being able to you know, let the mind relax, get a little blood flow. There's all kinds of science about why it's good for you. But ultimately, I mean, there's just, I I can't explain it, but I always feel way better when I come back from a run. Definitely. If I don't work out for a couple days, I feel it. Oh, absolutely. I'm working. And I, you know, when I was 25, I didn't feel it at all. I could do whatever I wanted and it wouldn't matter, but I'm not 25 anymore. 
You're 26, so I, right? I'm 26 and a half. Yeah. So I, I'm on the other side of 40 at this point, but just doing that and is it one of the things, you know, production and production capital, isn't that part of the seven habits where, you know, I'm not making money if I'm exercising, but that helps me focus more when I actually am billing and doing development work. So it, it's just part of the things that keep yourself healthy, like eating good food, getting enough rest, you know, getting exercise. Those things help me focus when I'm actually trying to do work. Yeah, I don't so. think exercise is directly called out in Seven Habits, but I mean, you you know, I, I think it does fall under some of the areas that he tells you to focus in. And yeah, I mean, the way that you feel, the way you feel about yourself, you know, emotionally, not, you know, but also the way you feel physically, it's it's a big deal. And you can get a whole lot more done if you feel good. So I, I'm totally with you on that. Another thing that you brought up is like it's completely healthy and normal and positive to do nothing. Sit on the couch or go for a long bike ride. I think we forget that you know our subconscious is always working. You know how many times have we solved a problem we've been working with like for a day in the shower the next morning? Yeah. You know that happened to me all the time because so you sit back and do nothing and let your subconscious go to work relax and that's really where I've gotten a lot of clarity on just directions that you know what should I do with my career what should I be doing over the next year and those type of things become more clear when you're not doing anything if I go for a long bike ride you know my brain's not doing that much just keeping myself upright and not hitting things and the rest of it's just thinking and you kind of get clarity so it's definitely valuable to step back you know turn off the devices and allow yourself to do nothing because you know, especially in the last five years, we've made it possible to completely fill your brain with junk at any moment of the day. You know, if you're not doing anything for 15 seconds, you're on your phone checking things. It's easy to do. I do it a lot, but it's important to realize to step back and do less. Allow yourself to do nothing and realize that's actually a real positive. It's not a, not a negative. You're not being lazy. Yep. So one other thing that I want to bring up with the work-life balance thing is just saying no. So... I mean, I say no to my kids when I'm recording podcasts. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> you can't be in here. You know, I say no to clients when it's family time. I've had clients get upset with me because I didn't respond to them in the chat room at 1030 at night. And my answer to that was, no, I'm sorry, I don't do that. At 1030 at night, I'm either in bed or I'm, I'm with my wife, and I'm not going to sit by the keyboard and wait for you to text chat me. So just setting good boundaries and being willing to stick up for them is also really important. Definitely. Boundaries are huge. Don't let people take away what's important to you. I could tell a story. I mean, the last full-time job I had, we wound up doing this big, long death march. And we worked probably 80-hour weeks for like three or four weeks. And, you know, we got a lot of work done. Uh, we got the thing that we were putting together launched. Turned out our customers didn't really want it, but that was a separate issue. And we got laid off because our customers didn't want it, and that was also a separate issue. But the people that got laid off were the people who basically were saying, we're doing this because we care about the company, we're doing this because you offered us incentives to get it done, and we are never going to do this again. And those of us who were setting those boundaries, we eventually did, we were the ones that got laid off. But the thing is, is we were also the ones who were most likely to be able to find another job. And I think a lot of employers are really looking for people who will come in, take the lead, make sure things are being done right, and won't put up with garbage. And I think it really pays off uh, when you're willing to do that. I mean, in some of the workplaces I worked in, I, I set those boundaries and I got respect for it. You know, it, it just turned out that, that that one place, you know, it was a little bit different. 
And there were some other circumstances there. But I worked at another company. I was the team lead. My boss came to me and basically said, we need to get this work done by the end of the month. And I just looked at him, looked at the amount of work, and I told him there was no way it was going to happen. And because it was a ridiculous amount of work, there was there was no way even if we had done a death march like that that we couldn't do it. And so, you know, I explained that to him. And I also told him, I was like, look, I was like, the way that the previous manager treated these guys, morale is low. I can't ask him to do it. And I got way more respect for that, uh, you know, by setting boundaries and, and be, being willing to say, look, you know, this is just not going to happen, as opposed to, you know, giving in and trying to make it happen. And we would have failed at that anyway. So, you know, knowing your limitations and being willing to stand up and just say no, and I say no to my clients all the time for the same kinds of things, it really is important. It really pays off. And if you can explain to them, as James did, he mentioned earlier, you know, that that allows you to do your best work and give them quality product, then it really makes a big difference. Yeah, there's definitely toxic companies out there that'll just use up every bit of energy you'll give them. And yep. don't work with those companies. The smart companies, you know, realize that, you know, if your team burns out, they're just going to quit. They're going to find new jobs. They don't have to deal with it. You know, anyone that's listening to this podcast has an interest in mobile development. You're very much in demand. You don't need to deal with this kind of stuff. If you're creating a team, you want people to stick around. You know, people who understand your company, the problems you're trying to solve. And aren't burnt out. Because if you're burnt out, you're not going to do good work and you're going to quit. You know, that's yep. one of the great life hacks I did is just I went independent. I, be I became a consultant, which I still worked alongside a lot of the people I had worked with before. But this time, okay, you want me to come on a Saturday? All right, well, we can even that out. So you pay me extra. And that way, instead of, you know, messing with the plumbing, I can call a plumber. And it also helps them think about it. Is it really that valuable that I have them do this on by Monday versus Tuesday or Wednesday? Yep. So that, that's one way. And that worked for me. I didn't have to deal with the, the politics and getting into a employment situation where they wanted too much out of me. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, I think you're just as prone to this as a consultant as you are as an employee. And I don't think that one situation is necessarily better for than another for everybody. So, I mean, you know, if, if you're thinking that one is going to give you more of the kind of balance you want than the other, then by all means, you know, go after it. If you're not really interested in pursuing full-time employment or you're not really interested in pursuing, you know, a consulting career, then that's fine too. But at the same time, I mean, be thinking about this because ultimately the other thing that I've seen is that there's a lot of bleed over between normal life or the rest of your life and work. And so if you have a bad day at work, you come home in a bad mood, and it bleeds over. If you're struggling at home, then you're worried about that at work, and it bleeds over. And so this isn't just something that's like, okay, well, you know, I don't have time to think about this. It's something that is going to be an integral part of your career as you move along. But yeah, I mean, so these are things that you should be thinking about. And, you know, if you have specific questions about how Jame or I manage our work-life balance, or if you want to uh, get some input from some other folks, you know, post a comment and we will follow up and answer your questions. Yep. To wrap up, say no. Your phone has an off button and doing nothing is good. No kidding. Yeah, there have been times where I have been tempted to tell my clients, I'm going camping with my son. And what that means is I'm going up in the mountains and my phone has no service, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So if the world catches fire, I will find out when I come back down. There we go. I mean, 
yeah. it's good to have clients that respect you too. And it, yeah. it's not just toxic employers. It can be toxic clients that yeah. want every little piece you can give them until you burn out yeah. and can't do anything for anyone. And you know what we do, burnout's very, very common. People yeah. take on too much. They don't realize this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, I have to say that most of my clients have been really good. And my current clients are really good. But, but it does happen. It's not an accident either. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and I guess that's another thing to consider is that, you know, you can talk to other developers at whatever company you're looking at working with. You can, uh, you know, set the ground rules if you're onboarding a new client. And, you know, just figure out if they really are a fit. And, you know, that's what I do, and that's why I don't have as many of these problems anymore. Sometimes they sneak through, and then we wind up saying, you know what, this really isn't going to work out to our mutual benefit. So, you know, then we just end the contract. But, yeah, you can evaluate who you're going to work with and who you're going to work for and then determine if it fits with the kind of lifestyle you want to live. Definitely. All right, should we get to some picks? Let's do it. All right, do you have some picks for us? Yes, I've got two picks. So speaking of taking time off, I'm going to a Primus concert tonight. Primus just released an album where they cover the Willy Wonka's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory soundtrack. And sounds like it might be a little bit odd, and it is odd, but it's also very good. So I'm going to take some time off and catch a Primus show. And the album's pretty good. Check it out on Spotify or Weird. Buy it on, like, vinyl or something. Weird. Second pick, I picked up a standing desk a couple weeks ago and. It's pretty good. I got it from Veridesk, so it's t- it sits on top of your existing desk. You just grab some handles, put up, put it back down. Uh, very well built, so there's no installation or anything. You just, it goes on there, and it goes up and down. You just put it on your desk, and, and you're done. I got the 48-inch one, so it'll fit my Thunderbolt monitor, which is pretty big. One caveat, it does raise your desk level, say, three or four inches, so now I have to find a new chair, so be aware of that. My desk itself is actually pretty high, like 29 inches, so it just made my monitor too high, so I need a new chair. But overall, I'm pretty happy with it. I can go down, up and down every half hour or hour or however I want to, but I'm pretty happy with my Veridesk. So that's my other pick. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and pick Audible. This is one of the things that I use to just relax, so uh, I listen to audiobooks. I'm a huge fan of Audible. I love it. One thing that I will uh, point out is uh, they've got all kinds of stuff in there. So right now I'm listening to a, it's an audio series called The Magic of Thinking Big, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's not a fiction thing. It's actually kind of a, a seminar on tape, and uh, yeah, it has all the cheesy do do do, you know, between different segments and stuff. But uh, the content's been really good, and I've really been enjoying it. I've also been listening to the book Firefight. Actually, I just finished it. Uh, by Brandon Sanderson. It's part of his Reckoner series. It's a sci-fi series, and I, I really like it. I'm really enjoying it. So I, I guess I'm just going to pick those, and I'm also going to pick Going for a Run, because that's what I do to kind of physically unload. So, yeah. I'm going for a run right now. Awesome. And it's 2 in the afternoon. Go, go, go. It's kind of cold out there today here. I might hit the treadmill. We'll see. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, that's all we got, so I guess we'll wrap up and we'll catch everyone next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. 
They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the iFreaks and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. You can sign up at iFreaksShow.com slash forum. 